welcome to the Paper Lantern Podcast. My name is Derek Wong, and I'm your host. On each episode, we'll feature stories, career advice, and perspectives from relatable role models. These guests are creators, entrepreneurs, and professionals from across all industries and backgrounds hailing from all over the world. Through our in-depth conversations, we hope to shed some light on their beliefs, values, and perspectives that might help you along your own journey. And while these folks might not be best-selling authors, world-class athletes, or famous CEOs, at least not yet, these are outstanding individuals who are crushing it in their careers or are doing big things in their community. But most of all, their backgrounds and the challenges they faced are relatable to the ones that you and I might be facing, and they want to help by sharing their stories and experiences with our listeners. The Paper Lantern is equal parts inspiration, paying it forward, and hopefully some laughs along the way. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Before jumping into this week's episode, I wanted to share a little bit more about how I got acquainted with Kevin. Prior to this podcast, I never met or even heard of Kevin, but as part of my journeys across Asia, one of my goals was to reach out and interview people with interesting or inspiring life stories. Not knowing where to start, I was on LinkedIn and just searched up Taiwan, and I was browsing all the different results that came up of the different profiles of folks living and working in Taipei and saw that Kevin was a former U.S. Marine who now worked at Google as their head of business dev for their mobile games division. And I thought, dang, this guy's a badass. He must have some really cool stories. So I decided to message him out of the blue and mention that I would be visiting for about a month and would love to meet up to do a podcast episode. And in the same way that an Instagram model or an influencer will get tons of random messages, as a biz dev guy at Google, I'm sure that Kevin gets tons of unsolicited messages from strangers all around the world. But sure enough, it turns out that a few former co-workers that I both look up to, one from Riot Games and another from LinkedIn, they're both best friends with Kevin, and they vouched that I wasn't some sort of crazy person. And a few days later, I had a chance to meet up with Kevin at the Taipei 101 building way up on the 75th floor. Right away, it felt like I knew Kevin Chow for my whole life. He's a welcoming, humble, and down-to-earth guy with a wealth of life experiences to share. From going to war as a U.S. Marine, working on his own mobile game startup, to moving across the world to Asia, his life journey and philosophy to seek out challenging environments really struck a chord with me. As you'll hear in this episode, Kevin is as much of a storyteller as a listener, and he has a really special way of telling stories and making people feel heard. And after recording this episode, we just kept the conversation going, and he generously poured out uh, his favorite bottle of scotch while we munched on some beef noodle soup. What a perfect combo. I hope that you enjoy this real talk with Kevin as much as I did. Thanks for joining us on our fourth episode of the Paper Lantern Podcast. I'm here today with Kevin Chow. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, Kevin, do you want to give a little intro about yourself and what you currently do for your role? Sure. Thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, so I am currently in Taiwan. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, but I've been out in Taipei for about five years now. I always say that I moved to Taiwan for six months five years ago. <laughs> it, was a, it wasn't like a long-term decision, but you know how life works, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, quite happy with how things are now. Uh, before all that, you know, I uh, I grew up, you know, like I said, in, in Georgia, where there aren't quite a lot of Asians <laughs> in general. I think my high school had like 4,000 students, 
Uh, I think there are like 10 Asians there. Oh, damn. One of which yeah. is my sister, so. Huh. They don't really count as like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nowadays, actually, that, that area has more Asians, but when I was growing mm-hmm. up, it was, you know, very black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so obviously, like, you know, my perspectives on things were a lot different uh, growing up in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't, I would say, particularly easy for an Asian American male, but, mm-hmm. you know, things worked out. Uh, but I would say my senior year, of high school was 9 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we were, I, I think most, a lot of people can remember where they were when the Twin Towers went down. Oh, yeah. I think for me, it was a particularly poignant point in my life where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that transition of going to college and you didn't know, you know, I had already gotten like 100% of my friends went to college. Uh-huh. So, you know, like all my friends got, you know, whether it was like a local school or, you know, something better, but yeah. they all did. And myself included, and I got in a bunch of schools and, but that just had, you know, it stood out to me. And I remember this thing in like social studies class in like third grade where they said, they said, uh, it was like they were teaching us about World War II propaganda. Mm-hmm. And there was this like picture of World War II propaganda. Yeah. And it was like this father, and he was like 40 years old. And his son was like, Father, we learned about the Great War today, or like, you know, World War II today. What did you do? Oh, and his dad yeah. had this really sad look on his face and it's because he didn't serve mm-hmm. or he dodged the draft or he did something mm-hmm. right and uh, I don't know I guess that stood out with me because mm-hmm. I have a military family as well yeah, my father wow. was in the Taiwan Marines my grandpa was a flying tiger wow and because of that like you know I also was like you know this is my generation's fight mm-hmm. you know one day my daughter and actually I do have a daughter now mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we'll learn about you know the Twin Towers going down or 9-11 you might even visit you know Ground Zero and be like yeah. what is your what did your father do? And father, I learned about this today. What did you do? And I was like, well, I actually, you know, put my right hand up and I enlisted. Mm-hmm. Like straight up Forrest Gump style, not yeah. like ROTC, not uh-huh. like, not like, you know, go to academy. Right, right. I just straight enlisted, enlisted yeah. in, in the Marines, which is kind of crazy because like I said, a hundred of my friends went to college. Mm-hmm. So for them to be like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, well, at least go to an officer's program, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you're just going to go straight up as a private yeah. You know, and, uh, did your how did your parents react? Was it you know, mom felt one thing, felt another? <laughs> well, obviously, that, my dad like, was somewhat proud. Mm-hmm. My mom was obviously very scared. Uh, we hadn't declared war in Iraq yet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so when I went to boot camp, they actually declared war in Iraq, wow. and that's when I got the newspaper snippet because you know they block everything. There's no phones. There's no mm-hmm. email. Anything like that. Everything's handwritten. Yeah, you get letters, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we got my mom had mailed me a newspaper snipping since 2003 of hey, mm-hmm. President Bush declared war in Iraq. And, you know, it was crazy because the classes were so big back then um, at boot camp because everyone, like I would say, like 90% of the people who were there were all because of 9-11. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, it made an impact in my life in a lot of ways. And a lot of it, too, is it offset my, my career, career trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't go to college. I mean, I didn't graduate college until 2009. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, <laughs> I was like a 22-year-old freshman. After yeah, I yeah. The military. So, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I went to Iraq in 05. Uh, after the war, everything came back. And then, because I was stationed in Camp Pendleton mm-hmm. in San Diego, I was able to to uh, get in-state residency and mm-hmm. go to UC Irvine, which is just you know forty-five minutes up the road. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I really like. Obviously, the Orange County is really nice. Yeah, it's <laughs> way better than LA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, like that became home, and mm-hmm. you know, made a lot of cool friends. And from there, you know, uh, graduated from college, uh, went to Deloitte Consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a particularly bad year, this is like 08, 09. Mm-hmm. So I was quite fortunate to get the job. I would say that my military experience did help out a lot. Yeah. 
because I was competing against kids who had like internships, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're able to really, really take your military experience and translate it into the real world, mm-hmm. uh, you'll realize that there's a lot of things that are very similar. And especially when it comes to consulting uh, at Deloitte in the sense of like uh, logistics mm-hmm. or you're looking at CRM, and a lot of these come from the military. Mm. So I know a lot of people don't recognize, but like the guys at Motorola who invented like Six Sigma and all yeah, these like the processes, yeah. they're all ex Air Force generals. Interesting. Yeah, or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. Where essentially, you know, like you have to think about how do you bring supplies to the front to right. fight a war, right? Right. Wars are fought on stomachs, mm-hmm. and they're fought in bullets. Whoever yeah. sends the most rounds downrange wins. Yeah. Whoever feeds their troops better usually wins mm-hmm. as well. It's not necessarily about who has better soldiers, who's more accurate. Yeah, yeah. Right. Nowadays, you can always say who has better drones. Who's more information and <laughs> technology. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, these guys were essentially experts at being able to feed and, and supply mm-hmm. the troops. And then they essentially took that and managed to use that in the corporate world mm-hmm. for like UPS or like FedEx. And essentially, if you're able to take that same experience and translate it, yeah, uh, that's essentially what I was able to really do with my military experience mm. and that, was, that really helped me get a job at Deloitte yeah. uh, uh, which was you know a tough year like I said 09 they totally. only hired five analysts out of Irvine mm-hmm. out of like something like 500 applicants mm, wow. uh, and that was you know I did that for about two years I really hated it actually oh wow <laughs> you learn a lot of soft skills which is really great but in terms of like hard skills the hours and mm. whatnot the people were great uh, you meet a lot of really really other cool young people and mm-hmm. who are also you know Folks like yourself are just very passionate mm-hmm. about helping others and, yeah. and growing their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I essentially uh, had a, a buddy who was at Irvine as well, mm-hmm. and he was in gaming uh, industry. And myself, I had always been a big gamer. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, hey, how can I break into the mm-hmm. gaming industry? And he was, and this is like 2011, okay. 2010, 2011. Yeah. And he basically was able to. Uh, be like, hey, here's my friend. Like, one, he was like, you kind of need to be here. Yeah. Like, I was in Orange County trying mm-hmm. to interview for Bay Area jobs, and the minute you send a resume, people were like, your address doesn't say San right, Francisco, right. and they're kind of like, well, you might be good, but we're going to put you in this pile. Yeah, there's a hundred people literally standing in line, you know, exactly, to follow the same right? rules. And I think people don't realize that, right? When they're just kind of like, well, my resume is good, and that's the key. It's like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we understand that, but like, you haven't made the jump yet, mm-hmm. right? So, I kind of just decided to you know, figurative, figuratively just pull the trigger and then just, you know, I, I recently got on a relationship, like a long mm-hmm. relationship, uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to lose, I'm just going to do this, and yeah. I actually got Deloitte to transfer me huh. to San Francisco office, nice. which is really funny, because I transferred to San Francisco, and I remember yeah. driving on the Bay Bridge, uh-huh. and driving in the city, being like, because I've never lived in a big city, yeah, yeah. and being like, wow, this is amazing, right, this uh-huh. is being in my new life. And then I checked into the Deloitte office on, like, on Monday, and they literally transferred me to a project in Orange County. Oh, wow. So I was just flying back there. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was just here. Yeah. Except now I live in a hotel instead of my apartment. That's so awkward, too. It's going back down <laughs> to John like, Wayne. Wait, we thought you left. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm still here. You have a goodbye party, but you spend more time in Orange County. I know, right? Yeah. So it was really, really mm-hmm. not, like, not the ideal situation, mm-hmm. but you know, I still managed to find some time to interview for some roles. And yeah. And then I interview he had uh, introduced me to some of his friends who were hiring in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a lot of these, and and so yeah, I got my first job in a, a small gaming company called OpenFame. Mm-hmm. There was like maybe like 20, 30 employees at that time, mm-hmm. uh, and I would say that you know it was a it was a big pay cut from the Deloitte mm-hmm. one, but it wasn't big enough to justify. It was big enough to justify the move. Sure, right? sure. Knowing that like if I stayed in consulting, my my salary would have gotten too high to the point where 
it would be hard to leave. Yeah, you're right? trapped. You're, you're right, so yeah. used to the, a certain lifestyle, and you're kind of like, well, I don't want to give it up. And I think that's what happens to a lot of my friends who are still in a consultant. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, man, how did you? How are you still there after two yeah. years? Don't you like get tired of all the travel mm-hmm. and unhealthy lifestyle? But I mean, I'm sure they get used to it and they make it work. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, um, worked at that company primarily doing sales, oh. uh, which is something I never saw myself doing. Mm-hmm. I think sales is one of those skills that a lot of people try to put off. They're like, I'm not a salesperson. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't. It's a bad rep, right? Yeah. There is a negative stigma I think associated with being in sales, but to be honest, like I think it's the number one most important skill mm-hmm. that anyone can ever have. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're an engineer. Doesn't matter if you're a UI designer. Sure, sure. Doesn't matter if you're a like you said a ballerina. Or something. Yeah, yeah, whatever it may be. Uh, you always have to sell yourself, mm-hmm. and I think being able to have at least a basic sales skills mm-hmm. is is quite important. Uh, and I wasn't very good at it when I first started. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember my my VP at that time. He took me to this Thai restaurant in like Burlingame. Huh, okay. And like <laughs> sat me down and was like, he was like, you got thirty days. Oh wow. And I think I had only been in the company like two months maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, you got thirty days. You gotta start showing that you can do this, or you know, you're out. Wow. And, uh, that was shocking to me because I've never been accustomed to failure. I suppose. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I think a lot of people uh, who are because they're you know high achievers, etc. Right, like, right. They've never been in that situation. I think that mm-hmm. was kind of a wake up call for me too, yeah. where I was like, perhaps I've been going about doing things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like, I was like a, I guess I was like a alligator crocodile salesman mm-hmm. is kind of what we call it these days. Okay, okay. They, they say big mouth. Oh, uh, no ear. Oh, interesting. Crocodiles have big mouths. <laughs> oh, weird. Okay, right? okay. So it basically means you just talk a lot. Yeah, not listening to your client, right? Okay, that's a cool, cool analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of like my friend introduced me to this one blog, and I read that. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Don't be a crocodile salesman." Mm-hmm. And then another thing too was, "Don't be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Be the most tactful." Wow. And that might be like you might be you might know the most about the product or whatnot, mm-hmm. but essentially it means you need to be tactful about going about doing things and mm-hmm. it's kind of like being it's like politics like sure things. sure it's like what does this person want mm-hmm. right and, and a lot of it is just learning how to do open-ended questions mm-hmm. and things. it's like the whole analogy of like uh wolf of wall street you know like oh yeah sell me the pen yeah yeah and a lot of people would be like oh it, it writes well pen, right? yeah, it, writes well, it, yeah. It, it feels nice yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. i think actually the actual answer is more or less like you need to ask questions like are you in the market for mm. like it's kind of like selling a home you mm-hmm. wouldn't sell a home for somebody who doesn't need a home yeah you're thinking of having a family it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like Jordan Belfort the guy you uh-huh. should right, right. emulate any situation uh-huh, but, uh-huh. but yeah I mean so these things mm-hmm. I started picking up on and I actually ended up being the, the top sales guy at that company wow. uh, after I had that con- conversation and I realized mm-hmm. that perhaps I do really well when people do put you in these stressful situations and where you can actually grow mm-hmm. and then from there you know I did that for a couple of years and then eventually uh, an opportunity was a friend to start our own mobile game company wow. so I moved to Canada to do this for uh, like a year and a half mm-hmm. and we had some ups and downs and they always like Ben Horowitz you know the famous yeah he's always like, just like two emotions oh. there's like either complete euphoria or utter terror wow. in startup world and mm-hmm. that was pretty true like mm-hmm. one day we were the number one app on the app store for like two weeks mm-hmm. our our inboxes are being flooded, our LinkedIn's are being flooded. Yeah. People who want to work with us, uh-huh. everyone who wants to take us out for like steak dinners and wow. you know integrate our their ads platforms, mm-hmm. everything like that. And we felt great. And then you know, a couple months later, we're no, nowhere even the top one hundred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what happened? Yeah, and this is like 2011, 2012 mm-hmm. time frame. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, yeah, we did that for a while, and then it got to the point where 
I didn't want to uh, raise money. Mm. Like we were bootstrapped, and I felt like if we had raised money, I'd be tied to this. Uh, and this is kind of goes on to what I mentioned about location too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I took the job without ever going to Canada before, wow. or ever working. Canada. And where in Canada were you? Edmonton. Edmonton. That's like middle Canada. That's middle? well. I mean, it's more on the east side. No, or? no, no. It's uh, uh, Alberta, which is next to BC, which is oh, oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Sorry to any Canadian listeners. Clearly, need to go look at a map, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Alberta's okay. fine. It's Alberta, <laughs> British Columbia. Okay. Everyone yeah. speaks English. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about Edmonton is that it's covered in ice and snow for six months out of the year. God, which is wow. great because I, I did a lot of snowboarding out there. And there's uh-huh. amazing snowboarding out there. But mm. it's just really hard to, to meet friends and to find your, you know, like a, a crew. I mean, I would only hang out with my, my co-founder. Yeah, you're, you're married to your job and all your friends are co-founders. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I missed home and, you know, I was in my late, I was probably your age, mm-hmm. 28 around there. And uh, I was like, you know, like I can't, you know, if I raise money, we're stuck here. We might make it work, but I'm still going to be here. So, you know, I told my co-founder and the other guy and the CEO I was like you know what like mm-hmm. I, I want out I'm yeah. sorry that, and he was, he was he was understandable but he, he was a lot older too sure uh, and he, he already had family and kids so I think for him it was you know like I understand like it was we, we had some good times we made money so mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. so I, I came back took about six months off and uh, really tried to figure out what I wanted to do with my life uh-huh. I thought maybe gaming wasn't where I want really really mm-hmm. where I wanted to be anymore mm-hmm. And perhaps you had that same epiphany where you kind of worked in gaming for a while and you get kind of burned out of it. Yeah. Try something new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I interviewed a lot of different companies, uh, you know, like Uber, Lyft, yeah. uh, Dropbox, mm-hmm. some other, you know, non-tech, uh, or tech companies, but not in gaming. So sure, sure, yeah. Some in like fitness or yeah. wellness, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I still care a lot about other, like fitness and mental health. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, yeah, at the, at the end, I, I just couldn't, I remember I was out with my other, the same friend that mm-hmm. recommended me to you know, referred me to my first job in the Bay Area. He was like, I was just like, he was like, do you really can you really wake up every day and be excited to do like, yeah, to do like uh, ride sharing apps or mm-hmm. can you be excited to do like cloud yeah, storage? storage right right, right? Yeah, it's like uh, and I was like or like CRM you know like a Salesforce yeah some B two B stuff gets really hard <laughs> to get excited about and I was yeah. just like yeah you know like gaming is pretty cool mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it is a pretty fun industry especially in business development mm-hmm. uh, slash sales you meet a lot of cool people yeah uh, and it's a very tight it's very small right mm-hmm. it's a very small world it's very tight knit and yeah. so after that point I was like you know when you're right, I still think I want to be in gaming and mm-hmm. um, you know Google had just rebranded uh, Android Marketplace and mm-hmm. Google Play yeah, yeah. in 2012 and 2013 they started putting together like a a business team to really help work with developers and I remember uh, I had a really good friend there and she basically was like hey come work with us like you know it's so early in the days you can literally work on whatever you want to work mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and that led me to my current role at Google Play but I was in Mountain View and my grandpa had passed away he was 97 wow. but because he was a war hero in yeah. Taiwan oh, wow. he was a flying tiger and mm-hmm. uh, they had a military like honor Ceremony, for him there, and yeah. they invited my whole family. Wow. And this is like 2013, and uh-huh. I happened to be on a business trip in Korea with Google. Mm. And I was like, I wanted to go to my see my family, and my manager at that time was like, yeah, don't worry about it, you can go. Totally. You know, it's like a two-hour flight from Seoul mm-hmm. to like Taipei, just spend some time with your family, you know, check in the Google office, you know, we'll take care of everything. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. My manager's mm-hmm. like really awesome. He's like one of, the, one of my, he's still mentoring me these days. Amazing. And yeah, I ended up spending about a couple weeks here because his boss, <laughs> my my like VP, was like, "So, 
I heard you're in. I heard you're in Taipei. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. In Taiwan, like we don't have any. Like it's it's not a top ten market yeah, for us. Yeah. No coverage yet. Yeah. But it, it seems like there's some signs mm-hmm. there that this market can really be really really big for mm-hmm. Google. But, uh, and since the company was paying for my hotels and whatnot, I was like, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta do. Gotta that. show up. Gotta so show up. I stayed up. in the trip yeah. for about a month. Mm. And, it, and it, you know, it was crazy. I had to interview a bunch of people. I had to get. I met a lot of developers in the region. Mm. And yeah, like I was like quite fascinated by by how fast Taiwan was. Like like four G speeds were the same as Korea Japan, mm-hmm. which you typically equate with like the fastest mobile yeah, speeds. Yeah, they're always one generation ahead of the states. Yeah, so, but yeah. like Taiwan is just as mm-hmm. it is super cheap. Everybody had a, a, an Android phone because uh, of HTC and the Suits, yeah, like the, the home court advantage, uh-huh, right? uh-huh. Uh, which is kind of crazy because I'm coming from like the Bay Area where I never seen. Yeah. Like, people, why are people using Android devices? Right? Uh, until I joined Google, and then I was like forced to use Android uh-huh. devices. And then, but nowadays, you know, these days you could, you're like, why? Like, mm-hmm. you would totally like, wow, it's like on par. Oh yeah, it's competitive. I'm yeah. choosing Android, Apple. Yeah, I mean, mm. like, at this point, like, you're only really picking like. Small little things mm-hmm. like cameras or you know, iMessage, if you want to. Right. <laughs> I like it when my messages are blue, <laughs> not right. green. Don't turn the text green. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but that's a, a compelling enough reason for some people. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turn the text green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you realize in, in Asia, nobody uses iMessage anyway. Mm-hmm. Even people on I, iOS. It's like Line, use WeChat. Line, Line in Taiwan and Japan, they use mm-hmm. Kakao in Korea, they use WeChat in China, mm-hmm. WhatsApp in Hong Kong. And, you know, it's crazy. Jakarta, mm-hmm. the longest time, was still using BBM. Oh wow! Wow! Uh, it was like the BB BBM's last stronghold was like in BlackBerry Messenger, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when I went there in like 2015, like 60 percent of the people were still using Blackberries. Wow! But nowadays you go with all Android. Right? Sure, sure. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, so I was flying back and forth, you mm-hmm. know, taking care of the Taiwan market while also doing my job in Mountain View, and essentially got to the point where uh, they were like, "Well, we couldn't hire anyone." Because it was really difficult for them to find someone with the certain skills that they wanted, mm. and a lot of the times when, when, Western companies like Google will hire people in Asia, they want people who are better at selling internally than selling externally. Interesting. So it doesn't necessarily matter that my language skills weren't one hundred percent. I mean, it was passable. Sure. I could do meetings in Mandarin. Mm. I could do talks in Mandarin, mm-hmm. like with some um, on speeches and stuff like mm. that. But it wasn't like perfect. Sure. But they were still willing to oversee oversee mm. that to see somebody that could understand how to get stuff stuff done mm-hmm. and really help build like, Taiwan in the market is today. Yeah, yeah. And that was like 2013, and then Taiwan today is uh, still a top five market for us. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Of, uh, revenue, yeah. Mm. And uh, it's nuts, right? It's all like mostly gaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember one friend was mentioning that uh, the archery game. I don't. Know, yeah, that makes hundred nine hundred thousand, or like just makes a lot of money, and it's just crazy. Like for these games, they make so much money on a daily, day by day basis. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, you were there, right? You know. How yeah, it's a huge money. Yeah, the numbers. Game is, what, eight, yeah. nine years later, yeah. still like crushing it. Yeah, and yeah. It's still like the game to beat on PC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean they, they, they're doing a, uh, I mean the power of gaming is getting bigger and bigger, especially mm-hmm. when everyone has a mobile device, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you have a lot of people who just skip the whole console PC mm-hmm. generation. They probably never considered themselves gamers or never thought they would like games, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, all their friends are playing PUBG Mobile or yeah, Free yeah. Fire, one of these games, and next thing you know, they're like, wow, I'm really, really into this. And now they're like, yeah, I'm a gamer, and I want to play more games, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's funny to see my own parents, it's them playing, I think it's Candy Crush or some of the more casual games. I think Disney has like a Zoom Zoom game, and it's incredible where I'll go out and see my parents and they're both on their iPads sitting next to each other playing different games, and I was like, oh, this is adorable. I imagine this is how they might have felt looking at us, me and my, uh, my siblings, when we were playing games. That's super cool. Yeah. And actually, I'm curious too, like, how would you explain your job, what you currently do, to like a five-year-old, or how would you explain it to someone at your daughter's age? <laughs> Well, I mean, for my daughter's two, so oh, I don't think you can say much. No, not too much. It's like, yeah, it does not, does not compute. Yeah, uh, yeah. For a five-year-old, mm-hmm. I would basically say, like, oh, do you have an iPhone or an Android device? Uh-huh. Uh, and then they'll be like, yes. Uh-huh. I mean, most everybody has a cell phone or a yeah, device. And I'll be like, okay, so if you have an iPhone, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, well, even the App Store, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, I work on that. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, and if they have an Android device, you just say Google Play. And mm-hmm. most people reference, oh, that's where I go to download apps. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. And... Yeah, so we just basically work with the same way like the YouTube team would work with content creators mm-hmm. to help them do better on YouTube. Yeah. We work with developers to help them do better on Google Play. Mm, yeah. Very cool, very cool. I, I mean, I, I assume a five-year-old would be able to understand. I mean, five-year-olds, I see them with smartphones and, like, some of you go to, you <laughs> they're know. They're probably on TikTok or Right, something. right. Yeah. They're probably better than us yeah. at, you know, getting likes on social media. <laughs> I mean, like, where'd you go to download TikTok? Oh, uh, yeah, so we work with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, the one thing we always like to do with this podcast is have a little lightning round, just a few fun little questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, for yourself, what is your spirit animal and why? Uh, so, yeah, this one was, is quite easy. Uh, manta ray. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. my wife and I were big divers. Cool. And... Uh, we went to Komodo for our honeymoon. Where the Komodo dragons are. Yeah, 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 Whoa, yeah, yeah. Okay. In, in Indonesia. And they're, they're so, there's these amazing dives there that they're not even that deep. Mm-hmm. They're like 10 meters deep. Mm-hmm. You're not even like any, you're not like 18, 20 meters. Like yeah. You're just 10 meters and it's like a cleaning station for manta rays. Wow. So the manta rays will go there and they'll just kind of fly around and then the feeder fish will like clean them. Wow. Clean all the bacteria and mm-hmm. clean off of them. Uh, and you can just literally just chill there for like the duration of the dive, 45, 50 minutes, wow. and just like watch them. Yeah. And they're just so majestic and they're so zen, you know. Oh. And like, and manta rays don't have the poisonous stingers either. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, they want like they're not like gonna hurt you mm-hmm. by accident if you get too close. We shouldn't, right? Yeah, Obviously, yeah. You know? But yeah, it's just amazing to just watch them there, mm-hmm. and, and they're quite. I, I don't know what the word the right word is, mm-hmm. but they're. They're quite kind of like humans too in the sense mm. that like every manta ray is unique. Mm. Like I don't know if you know like all the little markings on them. Oh, interesting. They're Spots unique. Or yeah, interesting. every single manta ray will have a unique set of markings. Wow. To help identify them from. Mm. And that I don't know. You probably seen Moana, right? Yeah, I actually have not seen Moana. What? I've oh. never even been to Hawaii, which is kind of a funny oh. thing. Living in California, but you'll cry. You'll cry when you see. Oh them. yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. You should oh. watch it. It's good. Yeah. It's, uh, her grandma ah. is a white manta ray. Ah. Yeah, I mean, it just conjures mm. up, like, I don't know, whenever I go dining mm. and you can see manta rays, it's yeah. just like, it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. They're just so big. Yeah. So big, like the size of the room. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and do you, like, a, like, do you look, like, kind of aspire to have that sort of, like, zenness where, hey, you know, the world is, you know, I think we all goes do, on, right? but yeah. I, I think mm. that we all try to just know that everyone's kind of just mm-hmm. who, trying to do their best with what they have, and some people have more, some people have less. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like, especially being in Silicon Valley for a while mm-hmm. and seeing how competitive it can be. Oh, yeah. How, how people are just so caught up in their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they often forget, like, the most important things in life are, like, around gratitude. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I, I mean, my perspective on things will be different. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, having gone to war and you know, yeah. seeing stuff happen. You, 
you you know you, you think differently about sure how things are they used to try to ingrain in in us like you're living on borrowed time wow thing like you should have died out there we had a lot uh-huh. of those calls right I yeah mean, i remember one time i was just sitting there like look kind of like this like just playing hanging out on laptop, yeah yeah you know just hanging <laughs> like, out yeah yeah and then like and then, like a rocket just literally just blows out the wall behind us oh like, out of nowhere i was like is that wow. the video i was playing and wow. then, like the ears are ringing and shit like that it was yeah it was nuts but these know? graphics are so real right your yeah, audio like, quality it's like yeah. the rumble yeah oh man wow yeah so wow. You, i mean obviously like i remember i was in this talk uh google had a similar thing where they had this uh panel mm-hmm. about uh past Mm. And they uh, it was called Play Pass. Oh, okay. Team. And yeah. It was talking about unique people on the play team and mm-hmm. how they kind of got to where they were uh, mm. today. And you know, the the moderator had asked me about does any of my military experience translate to my current job? Yeah. I was like, not really. It's not like I'm using <laughs> a gun or right, like, right. You know, he's working with my hands. No uniform, right? <laughs> but I, I but I just say that uh, I would say some of the soft skills do translate, mm. particularly gratitude mm-hmm. and that's something that i always try to tell people about it, it it's just like we're really grateful to be where we are sure and yeah a lot of people especially because we just had a review period uh, know, people get caught up in like emotions uh, they get caught up in ratings yeah. and they mm-hmm. want to you know, they want like i should be this level mm-hmm. i'm under leveled and i need to get promoted and understand that's important to everyone mm-hmm. because everybody here is a high achiever but i'd also say that like you should also be just really, really grateful to be where you are mm-hmm. and work with the things, not just the benefits of working at the company, right. but just like having other cool people around you sure. that, you know, like I've worked at a lot of different, com- lot mm-hmm. of different companies and, you know, different jobs like military, government, mm-hmm. and it's just nice to have coworkers who, who you can rely on, yeah. who are confident, who mm-hmm. can get shit done, and, uh, and are just cool people, great people to like have a beer with. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And I, I remember just saying that on stage and then, I didn't really think much of it, but I remember later on we had a happy hour. Some mm-hmm. random guy came up to me. He was like, you know, I was actually ready to put in my two weeks today. Wow. But I heard you talk about the gratitude thing, and I am, I am really grateful to be here. Wow. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't think I'm going to quit Google now. And I was like, huh, maybe I should be like, <laughs> hey, give me a <laughs> maybe I should be on the people the, management, yeah, yeah, I should be on the talent. Team. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I would, I would wow. Wow. <laughs> people with other yeah, yeah. <laughs> people complaining about everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Easy, oh. But yeah, uh, that was kind of cool. I uh-huh. mean, I, so I, I do think that, like, you know, like, back to the whole animal thing, mm. like, yeah, like, I feel like there's a gratitude thing there about, like, being when you're in, when you're diving. Yeah. I it's mean, like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever gone diving. Not before. yet. Maybe it'll be something I do on this trip. I was oh, always horribly should. nearsighted, so I, and the idea of being underwater while being blind is not the best you idea. You don't have a contact? No, no, but I got LASIK about two years ago, so okay. definitely along this Asia trip, I might learn how to snorkel, learn how to dive, and get into it. You don't it, really so. need to learn how to snorkel. So you just put it on, you just, you just <laughs> snorkel, or maybe I just need to do it, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but diving is, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I think it's certified, but mm-hmm. if you're, you should go to Thai, Thailand, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, next. So I got certified in Thailand. Ooh, okay. It's super easy, because mm. it's really warm there, water's really warm, it's really easy, okay. and uh, it's really cheap. Oh, sounds good to me. You need yeah. like uh, two and a half days, I think. <laughs> well, I have a lot of time, so that sounds really yeah, fun to I do. Yeah, I mean, definitely, mm. I mean, if you know how to swim, you should yep. be fine. Yeah, so. very cool, very cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mm. you can learn a lot about... It's really weird, right? Mm-hmm. Because I remember reading this dive magazine and yeah. it was talking about like this guy was writing a, about his uh, an obituary wow. for a friend who had passed away. Wow. Uh, and he was saying how like he didn't he worked in an office his whole mm-hmm. life, uh, didn't do much about it, but when he but when he passed away, you know, he was a big diver. A guy probably had like thousands and thousands wow. of dives under his belt, and that was like his thing he would do. Mm-hmm. When he, he would not work in the office. He'd be diving, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just like he's like I couldn't tell you much about 
what he did on the surface, right? It was just he worked a nine to five. Sure. He was a good dad. He was a good husband, mm-hmm. etc. But when it when I, but when it talk, when it comes to like all the stories we had of when we were underwater, being in this alien world. Wow. Like just the kind of stories that we yeah. share and tell and the, the footage and videos and yeah. pictures that they have. It's almost like silent stories too, because you can't talk while you're underwater either. Well, I mean, right? you can if you have the right. Oh really? Oh. I mean, you would have a full mask. Apparatus. Right? Wow. But I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, it's kind of crazy where uh, you're like, yeah, it's true. Like, wow. it is like being in an alien world down there. Very much so. Uh, and so, it's like, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I urge everyone. I mean, we know more about the moon than we know about the ocean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. Sounds like you've been to a lot of different places, both for work and on vacations. Is there a favorite, lesser-known place that you visited that most people might not have been to or might not have heard of that has inspired you or taken your breath away? I mean, I, I mean, back to Komodo, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, Komodo National Park is amazing. Wow. Like, straight up, like, it's protected. Uh-huh. So you're not going to get a lot of uh, illegal fishermen. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I was diving one time in Sipida mm. in Malaysia, which is largely referred to as the mm-hmm. number one dive destination in the world, which wow. is amazing. It yeah. is an amazing dive destination. But in order to get one day at Sipida, you basically have to stay in that area for, like, a week. Wow. So you're doing like one day there and like six days of just like really, really sketch diving. Wow. I remember one time there'd be like dynamite fishermen in that area. And so after being like <laughs> in that, incredible. yeah, dynamite I remember hearing these explosions on the yeah. water. I was like, what is that sound? Uh-huh. And the instructor was like, be careful, it's like dynamite, dynamite fishermen. Wow. You just feel like see the ripples of the shockwaves. No, you can just yeah. hear it. I yeah. mean, it's, it sound travels, I guess you can Oh, you can interesting. Hear it. Yeah. Uh, I clearly have not spent much time underwater, so. <laughs> but yeah, so after yeah. going there and then seeing Komodo mm-hmm. you're just like yeah Komodo's amazing it's, mm-hmm. it's protected mm-hmm. you can go see the Komodo dragons uh, sounds cool which is awesome as well it's like uh, living like breathing Manalay, dinosaurs yeah. you can see sharks like small sharks you can they even had tiger sharks there one time oh those guys are cool but I wouldn't actually dive in that no you don't those are terrible <laughs> some people are, are, are willing yeah. to do that um, interesting as long as you know how to be around them you'll be okay but wow. uh, I mean there's a lot and they have whale sharks there sometimes mm. too so it's just like an amazing biosphere of, wow uh, and it's not that off the path. Uh-huh. Like if you go to Bali a lot, uh-huh. you could fly from Bali to Labuan Bajo, which is like their little town, and then yeah. you can be in Komodo in like a couple hours. Wow! And if you don't dive, they still have snorkel trips. Interesting. Which is, which is just as great. And sometimes snorkeling, you'll see more than if you actually dive, because a lot of stuff like turtles and stuff like to be near the surface. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So I would definitely say Komodo's mm. an amazing addition. I mean, I hear like they're raising up prices these days, so um, people should definitely try to get there sooner than earlier. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing kind of a little bit more about this, the spirit animal and some of the travels, but is there a particular role model or someone in your life that kind of helped you establish your principles or helped you kind of navigate your own life? Yeah, I would say that my, my grandpa, my, my dad's grandpa, my dad's dad. Mm-hmm. So he was, like I said, mentioned he was a flying tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, his story is just kind of amazing. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I just want to, if I could be half the man he was, mm-hmm. I would already think I was doing all right yeah in the sense that like wow you know he was born in 1916 mm. he he came from a pretty well like well his father yeah. was a, my great-grandpa was a uh, academic uh-huh. scholar type of guy he did a lot of like Malby oh uh, wow the brush, brush yeah the brush paintings and stuff like that very educated he was yeah. like a scholar right mm. and so my my grandpa actually learned English mm-hmm. at a very young age, and he was actually, he was really good looking too. Mm. So he was actually studying to be a actor. Oh. So he was in college and he was in theater and stuff like wow. that. 
But uh, at that time, it was like in the late 1930s during the, the Sino-Chinese War. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, or Sino-Japanese War, sorry. Okay. Basically, ch- Japan and China had invaded China. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time, there was this general called Claire Chennault mm. who he ended up becoming the leader of the Flying Tigers. Wow. But he basically went to all the universities and was like, who is fit? Who has good eyesight? Who speaks English? All right come with me if you want to be a fighter pilot. Wow. We will train you. And so my grandpa went with them because, you know, he wanted to obviously protect his mm-hmm. homeland. Yeah. And be- learned how to fly the Curtis B-40 Warhawk, wow. which is essentially the, you've seen the, the planes, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have the sharp teeth on them. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the Flying Tigers. And so mm-hmm. he was part of the Flying Tigers. He had four and a half confirmed aerial victories. Wow. So he's half a kill away from the ace, which is kind of nuts. Wow. Because uh, you can imagine back then it was like, you had like 200 bullets you didn't have like this oh yeah you were just walking on right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you had limited gas and not to mention the p40 going against a japanese fighter like yeah. the zero mm-hmm. the Mitsubishi zero was like the zero could run circles around it all day it was wow. way way more maneuverable way way high, way better but the p40 mm-hmm. was um stronger in mm. the sense that i had more armor oh interesting and it had a higher altitude Mm. So they devised tactics where they basically fly in the clouds, like higher than the zeros could, mm-hmm. and then they would straight down attack and then fly back up. Wow. Try to do like these like kind of like hit and run Dive attacks. Dive attacks, yeah. Yeah, so my grandpa was um, a fighter pilot during the war, or two, uh, and then he essentially, he actually got shot down oh, geez. over uh, enemy lines. He uh, took a bullet into the shoulder. Another bullet went into his um, mouth and blew out his chin. Jeez. And he bailed out over enemy ter- territory, probably somewhere over uh, Rangoon, which is like okay. modern day Burma. Burma, got yeah. it. Because oh. uh, they were they were essentially attacking the Silk Road, which was like the main, wow, the main transport route for the Japanese mm-hmm. for logistical stuff. Uh, and so he um, he he bailed out, uh, you know, with his parachute, mm-hmm. and then the ground troops were chasing him, wow. trying to find him so they can interrogate him, right? Yeah. And he he had, he told me his story about he was running and running, he could taste bit, bits of teeth in his mouth, and he gets to this river. And he thinks he's like, he's like so thirsty. He's trying to drink water. And it obviously, it's very painful. Yeah. And uh, he gets hit in the back of the head with a, a rifle butt, and uh, he thinks it's like, oh my god, I'm dead. The Japanese have found me. I'm yeah. POWs. They're gonna torture me, trying to get everything. Oof, yeah. Ends up being the Chinese resistance. Wow. Which uh, probably like the Communist Party. Uh-huh. Which they're uh-huh. not on great terms, obviously. Sure. The sure. Communists and the Nationalists at that time, but mm-hmm. they essentially took my grandpa. Uh, he had a he couldn't speak obviously his chin's broken yeah. he had a bloodshed which basically says I'm a basically says I am a mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, fighter yeah I'm, I'm fighting uh-huh. on your behalf uh, wow. and he basically gave it to the Americans because they couldn't speak Mandarin, sure right? sure because there are a lot of American fighters interesting who were part of, Pacific who were Tigers, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah he he was behind it he was he was in there like their their hidden cave for like two three weeks mm-hmm. you know like he was getting infection from all his wounds wow. he, um, he couldn't eat and drink. He remember he said he could only drink uh, like jok. Oh yeah, the porridge, yeah, rice, rice porridge, porridge cool. yeah, out of mm. straw. Basically, he was getting like super delirious, delirious, and like hallucinating from yeah. like malnutrition and just like blood loss. And wow. he, he just decided he thought he was going to give up. And and a lot of the the resistance would were protecting him mm. would come back after their patrols and be less and less of them. Like they oh were getting wow, by the Japanese, and he was just about to give up on his mm. whole life and just like you know I'm I'm gonna call it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he uh, on that day, an American showed up. And apparently, all he knows is the guy's name was Lieutenant White. Wow, I'm sure it was a fake name. There mm-hmm. was no uh, CIA at the time, it was uh-huh. the OSS. Interesting. So, this guy essentially was 
providing arms to the mm -hmm. Chinese resistance to fight the Japanese. Yeah. You know, the U.S. had a, in a program. But not officially enter the war. Yeah, so Interesting. Essentially, uh, this 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 um, this guy had a, a radio, and he had morphine and penicillin. Wow, saved his life. Wow. Saved my grandpa's life. He was able to actually, my grandpa radioed his unit to come pick him up. And his best friend picked up. So oh, wow. Like, oh, my God, we, th we cleared out your locker. We thought you were dead. <laughs> we saw your plane go down, right? And wow. so uh, it was kind of crazy. And then he spent the rest of the war uh, recovering from his wounds. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. And then, But then after all that, mm -hmm. right, to come home, you know, be reunited with, with his, my grandma and his mm -hmm. wife, right? Because they were already married before that. Wow. And my wife, my, 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 my grandma's story is a whole other one. Right? Uh -huh. She was in Nanjing. Oh, wow. Lots she was of hiding. Atrocities, from the Japanese soldiers, and you obviously know the atrocities that were committed there. Yeah, but like you know, like a pretty young nineteen-year-old girl during the war. I mean, she would have been like, mm -hmm. like, it, like it, it scares me to think that like they had that kind of life. Yeah, yeah we think about our lives and our problems, right? Yeah, and then you just oh, like, my internet's okay, yeah. being so low. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then you're like, yeah, like mm. I think about those, and I'm just like, man, my problems aren't real problems. Mm -hmm. and, and they were reunited together wow. after the war, and then they had my my aunt. And then uh, they have their family and everything, and they're happy. Everything's fine. And then the communists take over China, uh, and they yeah. have to flee to Taiwan because my yeah. grandpa's a nationalist, mm -hmm, mm. and he's a general for Chiang Kai Shek. Right? Wow! Yeah. And uh, yeah, he has to flee, and literally, in twenty-four hours, pack your entire life after you survive a catastrophic war with the yeah. Chinese. You have to flee the communists mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and come to Taiwan, where you don't know anything, you right? Don't know anybody. It's a new, new world, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and with a baby in tow. And it, it's just kind of crazy to just leave all your stuff behind. They had mm -hmm. a lot of land. They had a lot of uh, famous, like right. a lot of artwork. Yeah. You know, very expensive even heirlooms stuff. and yeah. such. Yeah. 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 And wow. our family graveyard completely gone. Too. Wow. Yeah, like uh, it's a parking lot now. Wow. Suzhou or something like that. Some or some shit. Wow. Uh, but yeah, like to come here and start a new life like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's just kind of crazy where you think about it. I mean, he wasn't, you know, like. Further on in his career, you know, he had a pretty, he had a very successful military mm -hmm. career, and then you know, he, they all integrated to the mm -hmm. U.S. and you know, his his business careers weren't endeavors weren't amazing mm -hmm. or anything. Like sure, that. sure. But just to be like that kind of resilience, yeah, it just reminds me of of, of the whole gratitude thing, mm -hmm. and just being like so grateful that our problems today are not the same problems that our grandparents' generation had to face. And, mm -hmm. and for that, I always think about like. Like I'm just like if I could be half the person he was. Wow. I would just be pretty, pretty happy. Yeah. Because I mean, like you oh know, like, how about thick skin, right? Yeah, and big shoes to fill. I yeah. mean, that's he actually met the guy story. who shot him down too. Yeah. Wow. It turns out it was like a Japanese ace, so he was really happy. It's like the guy had like 14 confirmed. Oh wow! Yeah. He was like it was some guy who got lucky. Yeah. The pilots are pretty cocky, right? Sure. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, ah, oh. it wasn't some like lucky guy's lucky shot, right? This guy was actually really good. Yeah. Like, because they log everything. So apparently, after the war, he actually didn't meet the guy. That's incredible. And, and like my, my grandpa had no harm, no hard feelings. Right, right. He was like, you were just doing what you had to do for your country, just right. like I was doing what I had to do for my country. You know, and I mean, I I say the same thing mm -hmm. too with my Japanese colleagues. Right, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, like 70, 80 years ago, we'd probably be killing each other. Right yeah, now, that's right? crazy to think Especially about. Especially right? when I was a marine, and the marines, <laughs> yeah, office, right, Iwo Jima, mm -hmm. Iwo Jima, yeah, yeah. Pacific Theater, so. yeah. Wow, that's an incredible story and very inspirational. And I think it, I imagine it. It, it, that's like a foundation for your own perspectives about challenges and your own mindset for seeking new challenges. I mean, the fact that you chose to enlist in the Marines during what was essentially a path towards war and be able to choose that willingly to seek out what is in very common in Asian culture, a path of 
lots of resistance and lots of challenges. Like, how, how do you, what's your personal paradigm or philosophy towards seeking out challenges? It sounds like it's a very, very uh, high bar with a lot of uh, discipline involved. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is just not to be scared mm. of, of pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same concept, like, you know, your friends are in, like, a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why don't you just break up with them? Right, and right. And it's not that easy. Right. And you're like, is it? Like, it's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not that mm-hmm. hard. I mean, people mm-hmm. get divorced and, you know, you're not even married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, clearly it's not that hard. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are just scared of trying something new or, or scared uh-huh. of, of not having something there when it's always they get they get mm-hmm. used to certain things and you know like I, I'm kind of like that now too where I've I've kind of been here in Taiwan for a while and sure. you know I'm very comfortable here mm-hmm. uh, but you know how we were talking the other day about mm-hmm. the whole goldfish thing right right and yeah. I was kind of alluding to like mm-hmm. how you know like the goldfish will grow as big as the container you put it in mm-hmm. whereas humans are exactly in my opinion the same way huh. where the best way for you to grow is to always experience new things mm. whether it's you know like I'm you know I'm not saying like you should be throw you in the ocean you'll grow bigger <laughs> <kind of thing. laughs> yeah yeah but it's more like essentially like the more you expose yourself mm-hmm. to the more different areas you live yeah you know, the different cultures you go to even traveling right mm-hmm. it is the same concept where like it expands your view of the world and I think that's kind of like the same when it comes to taking on challenges as well mm-hmm. where you shouldn't be too scared to take on new things yeah it'll, it'll help make you grow um, yeah, new perspectives, new challenges. That I like to think whenever you know friends are, oh, it's so uncomfortable. Whether it's negotiating a salary or having those difficult conversations with a significant other, that feeling of awkwardness, or it's like, oh, I don't know, this is so painful. That's what growth really feels like, right? That's the feeling of your body literally scratching, <laughs> your I mean, mind being put in a tough place. So. Another thing too oh. is just being able to take criticism. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. I think also just because of being in the military, people are just pretty <laughs> abusive in a lot of ways. Where yeah. Just like are super racist. I mean, they called me Chink and Japo for the longest time. Oh, wow. And I'm not even Japanese. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's a very racist environment. Your skin just becomes really thick. Yeah. And I think at at that point, you're just more accustomed to taking on risks. Totally, totally. Yeah. I'm not saying don't, you know, like, there's some moderation there. Don't go crazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then kind of in your your shoes now, you know, in the gaming industry, what motivates you or what are those new challenges that you're seeking out or what is that that motivation, that, that vision that you're working towards? I think a lot of for me right now is around breaking, um, breaking the stereotypes uh-huh. and mental models that I mm. have uh, that I that that most Western people will have in general. Yeah. The world's a big place, right? Mm-hmm. And when I talk about mental models, like you know, I was saying like the the sun, you know, like mm-hmm. you're the sun, yeah. you stand in the classroom, yeah, yeah. Like Kevin, you're Earth, mm-hmm. you standing here, and then some other kids of Pluto in the parking lot. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like we, it's hard for us to fathom how big the world really is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why people are like. Can't believe you use Android devices uh, because they're obviously like in California where everybody uses an iPhone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you go to like India, and I remember I went to Mumbai for the first uh-huh. time this year, and we did a bunch of user research, and a bunch of the Indian consumers mm-hmm. were like, "I was like, if you could buy any phone you could right now, what would it be? What would it be?" And they're like, "You know, assuming I was going to hear iPhone 10s mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Samsung 10, well, three cameras, yeah, S10." Right? <laughs> yeah. They go one plus six cheap. Oh wow! All of them. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And one it's plus. just like what? Like a one plus? Like, yeah. I've never even used that phone uh-huh, before. And uh-huh. It's because in India they're very uh, consumer focused. Like hmm. they, they want a great deal. Yeah. Because if they show up, like my the one of the um, one of the mm-hmm. uh, people we interviewed, they they said that 
it's like this. If I showed up with a Ferrari today mm -hmm. with all my friends, they would laugh at me. Wow. Because they'd be like, haha, how many MPG does that get? Interesting. Because it's not a very efficient car for that cost. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so an iPhone is very expensive, but there's better cameras out there. True, true. Or an iPhone's very expensive, but there's better displays out there. Interesting. Uh, and so the 60 kind of combines all that. Interesting. Where they have a really good camera mm -hmm. with a really good display that has, you know, they care about the the MB like the how storage, many, yeah, yeah. how many mm. how many megabyte uh, mm. how many pixels mm -hmm. are, are the camera, camera have, uh -huh. right? Uh, they care about all these little things in India. It's very very important. Mm. They're they're so consumer focused like that. Wow. Uh, and it's like about these things, mm -hmm. right? Where I was just like, wow, I, I didn't think about that ever. Mm -hmm. I would just just assume you would buy with the best device as possibly. Right. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. you know, but it's not true. They care about having a good price point for the features, mm -hmm. and that's why like yeah, the whole Ferrari thing is like your friends will make fun of you. Yeah. You know, you get really crappy miles per gallon. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so these kind of things mm -hmm. is really what I'm focused on right now because I feel like, you know, I spent most of my life in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I never really until I mean Canada doesn't count, but <laughs> Iraq doesn't count, right? But sure, this is sure. my first time really living abroad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never got to travel abroad while I was in college either. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. uh, and there's different things for like being a tourist for like and then living there. Yeah. Uh, so these days it's really about just it's like back to the goldfish thing it's just mm -hmm. really about going to new areas and trying to mm -hmm. and trying to grow and learn from them mm -hmm. uh like you know like uh when we went di we went diving this one time in raja ampat mm -hmm. and in indonesia indonesia uh -huh. and like i said that little this little town takes like 20 hours to get to even from here which is not that far mm -hmm. like like a five hour flight. Uh -huh. but like yeah it takes like five hours to bali then like another mm -hmm. three hour flight to this small town and then like a 10-hour boat ride mm -hmm. to get to like Raja Ampat which mm -hmm. is like literally the lost world <laughs> but it has great diving too so mm -hmm. don't get me wrong just make sure you, you pick a good liveaboard not the one we went with oh. <laughs> okay. but I would say like we, we stopped by this little town mm. and this little village and like the kids don't have any clothes mm. uh, they, they probably learned to swim before they can walk mm. That's it's like a fishing village right uh, and it was like they, the, the boat we were staying on the liveaboard was they stored a lot of stuff there so they were just grabbing a lot of their supplies mm. and we spent some time there and uh, I was like crazy right because they don't have really anything yeah right they, they don't have TVs they don't, like I said they're, they're running on butt naked mm -hmm. and they all had Android devices with 4G on oh. or at least 3G on yeah them. yeah and it was provided for free by Telcoms mm. which is the Verizon essentially of, or the number one carrier mm. in Indonesia and they had blanketed the entire island with their flags wow. and their banners. Mm. And so when I talk about like how big the world really is, here are people in like the most remote area mm -hmm. in Indonesia who all have like smartphones with access to Google Play. Yeah, yeah. You can download your app. And I think that's kind of crazy when, you know, like it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Philippines, hundred over 100 million people in the Philippines, mm -hmm. you know? Like, that's like Spain only has like 40 million people in it or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, like, that's so important. We have, you know, like there's all these markets. Number one party geo market. Yeah, or yeah, it's yeah. just like, or even South America, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, like SoftBank just invested like a billion dollar in this like ride sharing company. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, yeah, like the future, it's, these emerging markets will, are going to be so connected yeah. so soon. And I think it's important for Western, like Western people mm -hmm. to really just you know, break out of that whole, mm -hmm. like, the world is centered around, you know, Cupertino and uh, what Apple does yeah, and yeah. whatnot, mm -hmm. and just really focus on, like, there are, the world is a really, really big place. Mm -hmm. like, like I said, back to India, right? Yeah. We think of India as one country. Mm -hmm. If you're an Indian, 
from India, you know, like you, it's yeah, really in the United States of India, mm. where there's like 26, I think around 26 different states uh-huh. in India, and they're all completely different. Wow. The same way that people in Texas are different than people in California, mm. they're different people in New York, it's the same thing. Uh, we just don't think that way, because uh-huh. we don't know, right? And, mm. and we're just kind of ignorant to it. So mm-hmm. I would say the challenge for me these days is just really trying to keep an open mind. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when doing business in these kind of regions. Yeah. And when you put like a gaming lens to it too, uh, as someone that's also spent some time in the gaming industry, it's amazing how you know the United States, you know, console gaming, shooters, uh, whether the sports games like FIFA and Madden, those are what most people think of when they think of games. When you look at East Asia, you have you know StarCraft has its heyday, MOBAs, you know, League of Legends and such, you know, super popular, uh, Overwatch included. And then when you look to uh, even further, no, all good. Other markets too, you get you know the more more mobile focused markets. Is it for yourself? Is it changing the perception of what gaming and what esports could be? Is it getting more and more people to you know, spend more time playing games? <coughs> What's yeah. kind of that you know gaming focused mission for yourself? It's kind of crazy, right? Because you, you bring up esports, and I also cover a lot of esports mm-hmm. in Asia for for Google Play, and uh, we just come off because we just did an event uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm beginning of September for PUBG Mobile in Taipei mm. and we brought in a bunch of influencers from like 15 plus countries and mm. pro teams and wow. it was great it was, re- it was really really fun uh, I think they had a lot of good time too mm. and what was crazy about it is that uh, PUBG right you, you're familiar with Battle Royale yeah, games hundred so one of the creators we had was a emulator player oh okay so he actually plays PUBG Mobile with a keyboard and mouse wow. on his PC using like an e- emulator like uh, Blue Stacks or Interesting, uh, yeah. Knox or one of the, the ones that exist out there. Okay. Um, and it's funny you think about that because <coughs> the Western world they think about keyboard and mouse as the only way mm-hmm. to be pro. Like Ninja, he mm-hmm. doesn't play in a console. Right, he plays right. Fortnite. He's not mm-hmm. on, you know, uh, like Booga, the guy who won. They're all playing on PC, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all these guys who are like Fortnite players mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So you would typically think of like the top of the top tier, the most mm-hmm. skilled players, as all being PC based. Yeah. So he, so back to this guy, he plays on an emulator, right? Mm-hmm. He actually gets made fun of by saying he doesn't have enough skill to play on a mobile device. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And he actually loses a lot of fan base because he needs a PC to play. Yeah. They're saying, oh, you're not good enough to, to get yeah. headshots on a mobile device uh-huh. that you have to use a keyboard, keyboard mouse, mouse right? Interesting, yeah. And it's actually really funny because they essentially turn the, ti- they turn mm-hmm. the tables on it, right? Where you're mm-hmm. like, hold up, right? Now the real skilled players are the ones that can use, can play on a mobile device. And yeah. I, I tell you, like, typically we play like this. Yeah. Like we use our, our, our yeah. thumbs. Our Landscape right. mode, yeah. Mm. Yeah. They play like this. They use a claw. It's called claw mode. Oh, wow. So they have four. Interesting. They, have, uh, they use their, their, their left index, and index fingers. fingers. Yeah, on wow. top of their thumbs. And so they, yeah, they, they play yeah. like this. And uh, it's kind of crazy because you actually have to have a lot of dexterity and skill to do that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy where you think about esports mm-hmm. and, and, and what it does to this, these emerging markets where yeah. you have people who never played PC, never played console, mm-hmm. and they just skip all that and they go straight to mobile. Yeah, to yeah. them, yeah, that's that's what esports is. I mean, that's pro level esports for them. Yeah, uh, spending some time and I was recently mm-hmm. I was at a few events uh, in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. for esports and specifically mobile esports and it was crazy because you also have more reach, mm-hmm. right? Because more people are, have access to your game. Yeah, yeah. But like back to the Philippines, right? Mm-hmm. I was saying how like there's 100 million people there, and the MOBA of choice on PC is Dota, mm-hmm. but on mobile everybody plays Mobile Legends. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I remember going to like a smoke pit, mm-hmm. 
where you have like 30 guys on break who are in girls too mm. who are all sitting there just playing mobile legends <laughs> yeah. squatting there smoking a cigarette mm-hmm. playing mobile legends yeah. and uh, you just don't think about these things mm-hmm. unless you actually go and experience it yeah, yeah. people are like you know like you think of like league and how advanced they are when it comes to esports mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and how, how good the production quality is right right uh, but it's changing in, in you know, like this year at the uh, SEA Games, which mm-hmm. is essentially the Olympics for the Southeast Asia yeah, region, mm-hmm. it'll be in uh, the Philippines wow. in Manila this year, and uh, there will be two mobile games. Interesting. Yeah, and wow. there will be people who like players from fourteen countries, Southeast Asian countries. One team will get literally gold medals mm. for mobile games, and it'll be Mobile Legends, and I think Arena Valorant will be the ah, that's yeah. a big title. I think Tencent did a big push to yeah, yeah, bring yeah. that. Yeah, very polished by Arena. Ah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think the gaming industry is still tons and tons of growth. I think in the United States, there's always going to be that mainstream stigma of, you know, video games is not, you know, in quotes, cool, you know, it's what the nerds do. But I think even over the past you know, four oh, or no, five I, years, I, I it's changed it so much. Man. It's so, it's like the NBA, yeah. they're doing so many collaborations now. I love that. I mean, I that's I changing now. I know, like even our, our alma mater, <laughs> Irvine, now we have an esports major <laughs> and a yeah, collegiate yeah. program. You got Blizzard right there. So right, right. It's amazing. I think, if anything, instead of that mindset of, oh, man, I wish I was born later, it's, wait, look at how we paved the way, right? It's because of the efforts that yeah. the industry we're working in it's led to those things so you know in high school I was that kid who was like who would play magic cards in the oh, playground it was like me magic and like cards. the one Indian kid like <laughs> magic cards together in yeah. the playground and like we were fucking nerds right? oh, yeah. and nowadays if you're that one kid who doesn't play Fortnite oh, or you're that one kid who doesn't play Pokemon Go wow. like when it was really popular mm-hmm. like you would be ostracized for that wow like you're no longer the cool kid because like like oh did you hear like whatever has a, a Snorlax or did you ever hear yeah like, shiny Snorlax oh. yeah, you know like oh Wow. And like, yeah, like mm-hmm. these days it's, it's cool to be mm-hmm. a gamer, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, man, I wish I was born. <laughs> wow. I like to think that like, mm-hmm. I help younger generations with my current job. Yeah, yeah. That's it is nice cool. where I can tell my mom like, hey mom, all those games I did play. Yeah. Helped turn into a career. Right? I'm doing it for work, mom. There you go. <laughs> I don't think he still does. Oh. And as we wrap up, I would love to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, what's next for you? What are some of the challenges or what are some of the big personal and career goals that you're working on? I think right now it's, it's around being a father. Mm. Uh, it, it's, you know, nobody writes a book on that. I mean, there are very many books on it, but yeah. n- not one perfect book on like, uh-huh. how to be a good father. Yeah, yeah. I think right now, like, do you know um, that book, 12 Rules uh, oh, of Life? Jordan, Dr. Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, you, yeah, I, yeah. I followed a lot of his, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was, yes, but yes, I can go to that yeah, after. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yes, yes. And so. you know how he, he mm. for the, the listeners who don't read mm. the book, haven't read the book essentially it's like uh you know like he looks at certain things that mm-hmm. he makes certain rules and then he looks at anecdotal evidence right mm-hmm. like always stand up straight mm-hmm. you know don't well to obey right mm-hmm. <laughs> and the lobster yeah. sorry spoiling the book but yeah, yeah. No, i mean but yeah <laughs> but like because if you mm-hmm. are slouching all the time mm-hmm. in the animal kingdom you would be prey right? yeah yeah and so i actually started curating a lot of these rules for my daughter huh. where like i don't want to obviously use his rules but I just thought about like maybe by the time I turn when she turns eighteen, which mm. is gonna be sixteen years from now, huh. I want to be able to give her twelve rules mm. on life mm. that I think that she should follow. That's beautiful. And um, I'm only like two rules in right now. You got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah. one of the the main rules is uh never go cheap on health and fitness. Huh. Okay. Uh, in the sense that like a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, you know, like, I don't need new tennis shoes. And like, mm-hmm. your tennis shoes are ratty as hell, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you have new shoes, you'd be more inclined to go to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't need a personal trainer. I can just watch YouTube videos. Mm. And then you end up hurting yourself. Like, right, you know, like, right. it's important. Like, you spend these monies because you're investing in your... your yeah. If you, you know, like, if you're going to invest in anything, you should invest in your body. Your right, body. right. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically the only rule I have right now. The other rule is just, you know, don't be a jerk. Yeah. And that's... If more people followed that rule, the world would be a much happier place. <laughs> I mean, because, like, uh-huh. I always... That's my sister's rule, actually. Mm-hmm. My sister, Emma, was like, you know, what do you... Because, you know, she's older, and I ask her for advice mm-hmm. a lot of times, mm-hmm. too. And I was like, you know, what do you think about it? She's like, yeah, just don't be... Don't be she uses... She says, don't be a dick. Like, yeah. Uh, it's kind of true, right? It's oh. like, you could just be the bigger person. You know, like, nothing's going to matter. I just walk away. Right, right. Like, if somebody cuts you off, mm-hmm. you know, like, road rage, you could just go crazy. But, you know, that's just a weird Yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> fair. That's good advice. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I figure in the next 16 years, I'll mm-hmm. compile a bunch of other ones. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's a big challenge. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's just raising a kid, man. Yeah. And then a uh, different lens of that similar question about advice is, is there any advice that you wish you had earlier in your life? Or if you could go back in a time machine five, ten years ago to give advice to your younger self, besides, you know, what stocks to buy, uh, what sort of advice would you give your younger self? I think uh, number one is always think before you speak. Mm-hmm. My mom used to always say that. I, I try to follow as much as I can. And, you know, like if... Another thing, too, is like, when you're having one-on-one sessions with a friend or whatnot, try to just be a really good listener, like an active listener. And I know like in a lot of Asian cultures, they teach that very young, like in mm-hmm. Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. But in Western culture, it's always everybody waiting for their minute to speak. Yeah, or the one-upsmanship too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, you work on LinkedIn, I'm sure you know. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you get a room full of validating Yeah, you right? get a lot of uh, type A personalities, oh, you get yeah, a lot of caps locks, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, I think like, there's something to be said about people who are good listeners mm-hmm. and being able to do that. And it'll just help you in a lot of ways in terms of relationships. Mm. You know, whether it's work, whether it's personal. Whatnot. I think that's something that's really important. And mm. I would say that's what most of my friends who knew me when I was in San Francisco, mm. and it's been, I've been out here for five years, they say I've changed quite a bit, largely because I don't talk as much as I used to. Mm. Obviously, on this, I'm talking quite a lot. Totally. <laughs> uh, but you mm-hmm. know what I mean, yeah. And then, you know, lastly is uh, back to what I was saying about don't being the smart, not being the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Even if you are, mm. uh, don't act like the smartest person in the room. Mm. Like, it's always about being the most tactful. Yeah, right? yeah. It's always about understanding, you know, what the problem, because a lot of times the problem you're trying to solve isn't the actual problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, a lot of people might say, like, oh, like, a person's a problem, mm-hmm. when it's not really the person's a problem, it's like, this, you know, something you're not. Like a good analogy I always use is um, the the whole there was this competition in like the 1960s mm. for uh, the first man-powered flight. Oh, interesting! And apparently they had to do a fly a man-powered flight, and it was like in a figure eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called the Gossamer. Gossamer trials. I don't know. Flight, uh, Gossamer flight contest. Condor, yeah, McCready Gossamer Albatross. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, yeah. It was 1979 the first flight, yeah. So it mm-hmm. was the first man-powered flight. In any case, like, uh, so everyone was trying to solve for what they thought was man-powered flight, mm-hmm. right? And because it was like a million-dollar prize at wow. that time, like six years of flight worth tons of money now. Yeah. And everybody would fail mm-hmm. because they would spend all this time trying to build like trying to engineer and build something and then it would take forever to build it mm-hmm. and then they would take it out and it would crash within like a second. Yeah, and then it would everything's take, lost. Right? Take yeah. a lot of time to put back together mm-hmm. because something broke or something, you know. Like, so the guy who actually figured out how to win it was someone who was like, well, 
I need to be able to have a plane that if it crashes, I can put together within a day mm-hmm. and try again tomorrow. Mm. And therefore, while well, they're all spending, you know, doing one or two test flights a year, mm-hmm. I'm doing like 300 test flights a year. Huh. And essentially was able to continue fixing and fixing and iterating and iterating and iterating until mm-hmm. he got to the prize because yes. he was able to fix his plane before faster than anybody else. So he saw that the problem you're trying to solve wasn't actually for manpower flight, it was actually trying to create a plane that you could put together really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they crashed, right? Test more, iterate more. Yeah, yeah. So oh. in a lot of ways, that's the kind of thing I was, I was trying to say too, is like mm. a lot of times the problem you're trying to solve isn't the actual problem. Hmm. And so yeah, I mean, I did try, I think that's important because mm-hmm. the sooner you understand that, it, you can start thinking about it. it uh-huh. it's, easier, it's easy to get, you know, narrow-minded mm-hmm. down one certain path. Yeah, it's a lot of, even putting it in that perspective helps me have a different approach of tackling my own problems of, hey, you know, after this, you know, three-month-long sabbatical doing this podcast, it's, hey, what is it that I'm looking for? Is it, you know, moving overseas to Asia? Is it moving back to the Bay? Is it a big company? Is it a small company? What is it that I'm trying to solve for? So I think there's a lot of good questions if I need to make sure I'm actually solving the right problem versus, like, <laughs> oh, you know back my to answer, one of the right? Yeah. My answer is always going to be location mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For yeah. someone in their 20s still trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, like, you don't have, mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously have a lot of you have good resume. Mm-hmm. You have good network. It's really about location, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's like spending that time because, like I said, location dictates everything else. Yeah, dictate yeah. Your, dictate your job. Dictate mm-hmm. who you date. Mm-hmm. You know the house you live in, the car you drive. I mean, a lot of things. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the longer you s- you spend and to make that educated decision, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's better. A lot of people like me, like I made that mistake where I jumped to Canada, right? <laughs> and you know, I quit like a really good high paying job mm-hmm. and went to Canada for what, right? Mm. I mean, I learned a lot, but at the same time, like, yeah, you know, I was miserable there. Mm. And, and it cost me another relationship too. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And especially as we get older and the decisions we make tend to be longer term decisions, it makes sense to think more to make sure. And of course, you can't control or plan out every detail, but it makes a lot of sense to really think things through when you're making these bigger life decisions. Yes and no. I was yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing I've, mm-hmm. got, I've, le- I've learned as I got older. It's actually easier oh. to move on. Oh, interesting. You yeah. don't get attached to certain things as much as you used to. Whether it's people, whether it's jobs, whether it's mm-hmm. other friends who are at zero value to your life. Or yeah. Things. Like, you don't get attached, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just kind of like, you, you realize that you, you have to look out for yourself. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I think not to get too philosophical or spiritual, but I know in the Buddhist way of thought that you know, attachment is the root of all suffering, right? Where mm-hmm. it's your attachment to a certain you know, emotional you know, outcome or your expectations that results in you feeling depressed or disappointed or unhappy. So I think it's sometimes when you have too much wisdom or too much <laughs> advice, you're like, okay, so what should I do about this? So uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, lot, lots of thoughts on my end, but you know, really want to thank you for spending your time and sharing so many you know, awesome stories very authentic and human, you know, just perspectives on kind of how you've made your own career and been inspired by folks, including your uh, grandfather or grandmother. Those are incredible stories. And before we wrap up today, any concluding comments or any last things you want to tell our audience? No, I mean, if anyone's ever in Taiwan and they want to have Bobo recommendations, you know, more than happy to give you my list. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and looking forward to sharing this out to our listeners. Thanks. Thanks so much, Derek. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paper Lantern Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Wong, and I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. We are just getting started with producing episodes and could use your input to help us get better. 
If you have any feedback for us or suggestions on who you'd like to see as a guest, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a friend or colleague that you think might enjoy this episode, please share our podcast with them and tell them to visit our website, thepaperlantern.blog. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Cheers.